0: Welcome to the Bradleyville Church of Christ podcast. We are a family of believers striving to be the first-century church in the 21st century. We are located at two five eight six one State Highway seventy-six in Bradleyville, Missouri. Please join us for Bible study Sunday mornings at nine thirty a.m. with worship to follow at ten thirty a.m. Wednesday night Bible study is at seven p.m. Now enjoy our lesson. We've been talking about personal evangelism and. So today we're going to wrap up. We're going to wrap, our, wrap up our series with kind of a, a refresher, and then I want to I want to give us a shot in the arm because if if you're like me, there's there's things going on in society that can kind of be distracting or even discouraging to us, or even cause us to be afraid, and we don't need to be afraid. We're going to talk about God's power, of salvation. Now, for those who are in our class, this sounds pretty familiar, right? Because this is our theme of our study in the book of Romans. But I want us to to get some perspective. Maybe that's the best way. I want us to get some perspective today on what's going on around us so that we don't become overwhelmed by fear, to feel powerless, to be discouraged by the things that are going on in the world around us. So let's begin as a refresher. We're going to talk first about where have we come, where, where have we been on this journey? And you might recall when we started this series we started a discussion about personal evangelism or sharing the gospel with others we started with the basics and the first thing that we noted was the reason that we are even having this study uh the word evangel comes from the greek word euangelon which means the good message and when we go back to the gospel when we go back to the bible we see that the gospel was the good message of jesus christ the death the burial and the resurrection of jesus and that it was to be preached to all creatures. That was the commission that, was, that Jesus gave to his apostles. Um, and they were to take that message out to the world. And yet today we look at the world around us and we think, what happened? Why, why is the gospel not effective? Well, the thing we saw was that the reason the gospel is not effective is because we don't treat it as though it's effective. We don't practice personal evangelism. And I, when I say we, I'm talking primarily me. We don't. We don't share the gospel with people the way that we should. And so the church has begun over the, over the years, if you look at just the United States, the church has begun to shrink over the past 50 years. And the biggest reason for that is because we don't share the gospel with others. We're losing more people out the back door than we're bringing in the front. And it's because we don't practice, intentionally practice evangelism. And so our goal, if you haven't picked it up from the beginning of the year till now, let me remind you. Our goal is to be intentional about sharing the gospel with others. Well, to be intentional means we have to develop a habit. And a habit then, we talked about, is the convergence of basically three things. A habit is the convergence of knowledge, of skill, and of desire. If you're going to have a habit in anything, first off, you've got to know how to do it, right? I never had a habit for anything I didn't know how to do. I've never had a habit of something that I didn't have the skills to be able to perform. And I've never had a habit of anything I really didn't want deep down to do. We even talk about bad habits, right? Well, where does bad habit come from? It's something that we know we shouldn't do, but we, somewhere in, within us we have a desire to do it. And so we, we keep up that bad habit, right? We, we feed it or we perpetuate it in some way. Well, we're trying to develop the habit of personal evangelism. And so when we think about the knowledge, the knowledge of personal evangelism is, is who, what, when, where. The basic gospel facts. We gotta, know the deep, we gotta know the basics of the gospel to be able to share with other people. We gotta know that Jesus died on the cross. Who did he die for? He died for me. Who else did he die for? He died for you, right? And so John 3.16 teaches that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loved everybody in the world And he let Jesus die on the cross for him. He sent Jesus to die. So that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. life. That's an essential element of the gospel that we need to share with others. That knowledge, then, is we'll talk a little bit more about that, but that knowledge is important, that we know the, the, the facts of the gospel. We also saw that we had to have skill in that, right? And so that's the that's the how. How do we go about sharing the gospel with others? And we'll talk a little bit about that, but that's 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 the the development of experience. Has anybody ever has anybody ever taken up something and, and just as, as soon as you picked up that that let's take fishing. As soon as you picked up the fishing rod, you knew exactly what to do with it. You knew exactly how to cast it. You know exactly how to how to use it, so that it was it was like an extension of your arm. I mean, from the first day. I didn't think so, because it's. Fishing along with various other things, cooking, whatever it is, it takes experience, right? You have to work at it to be able to master the tool. And as we're gonna build a, if we're going to build a habit of personal evangelism, we have to develop the skills. That means we've got to practice it, right? And if you're gonna practice anything, you've got to be intentional about it. And so we also have to have desire. Very rarely do I ever do anything that I really don't want to do. You know, there's times when you've got to do things. Sometimes you've got to go to the doctor, right? But most things we do it because we want to do it. And so, desire comes down to developing the habit of personal evangelism. Comes down to you gotta wanna. You gotta develop within yourself that desire. What is it that drives you to share the gospel with those? Each one of us is gonna have a different why. But we've got to grab hold of that why, and we've got to make it our mission. All right. So now let's let's remind ourselves of the of the various things that we learned related to habits. The first thing we talked about, or one of the first things we talked about, was the know, the knowledge of evangelism. And we began by looking at Jesus. That's always a good place to start. If you want to figure out how to do something that uh, is related to the gospel, look at the person who was the the source of the gospel, right? And so we went back to Jesus, and we thought, well, how did Jesus evangelize? What did Jesus do that made him an effective evangelist? And we saw three basic things that Jesus did. The first thing that he did was he deferred, he didn't debate. John chapter 3. Uh, Jesus is, is approached by a, a, a man at night. Nicodemus comes to him. Come on in. Good to see you, late. How are you? Good. We're in John chapter 3. Just to give you an example. This is is just one example of how Jesus chose to answer the right question at the right time. Anybody ever been asked Bible questions before? Anybody ever got a question asked of you and you're like, man, I don't know that I'm ready to answer that question yet. Sometimes we may not be prepared to answer the question. But sometimes we may, we may decide or we may, we may discern that that person's not ready for the answer. You ever had that happen before? Somebody ask you a Bible question and you know the answer is going to be deep. And so now is not the right time. I'll, t- I'll give you an example. I <clears throat> was a young woman many years ago whose mother passed away. And she knew that her aunt and uncle had been studying with her mother trying to help her to obey the gospel. And she knew that her mother had not obeyed the gospel. And at the funeral, the daughter comes up to the aunt and uncle, and she said, do you think my mom and dad's in heaven? What do you think you ought to do in that situation? i tell you what Jesus would do. Jesus would defer, and he wouldn't debate. Jesus would, would, sometimes you're going to see him defer the answer. He's going to change the direction of the conversation. To get the person to the point where they are ready to hear the answer. And this is one of the examples we talked about. John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to him at night. Verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, come from God, for no one can do the things that you, that you do unless God is with him. What's Nicodemus wanting to know? He's wanting to know, Jesus, are you of God? Are you from God? <laughs> for some reason, Jesus is able, not, not, not for some reason, Jesus is able Jesus discerns that for some reason, Nicodemus is not ready to hear that answer. Now, he will answer the question later on. But listen how Jesus changes the direction. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus deferred. He didn't debate. And Jesus would do this in many different occasions. You'll see him whenever somebody will come. They'll ask him a question. One time a, a religious leader came to Jesus and said, What's the greatest command?" And you remember what he said? He said, what, what's your reading of it? I'm not, going to, I'm not going to debate this with you. You tell me what your answer is, and then we'll, then we'll go from there. Jesus was a master of getting to the heart of the issue by not getting trapped in legal debates, into argument over words. And we need to be careful about that as well. The second thing Jesus did was he showed and he didn't tell. Anybody, and when we, when we studied this, you remember we focused on the idea of trying to cut a phrase out of our vocabulary. This is a phrase I've been working on and I would challenge you to cut out of your vocabulary. I believe. Now there might be times when it might be appropriate to tell somebody, I believe this or I believe that. But most times it's more effective to show somebody the scriptures than to tell them, I believe this. Why is that the case? Because I may believe wrong. Or Or people can argue with my belief But they have a hard time arguing with the scriptures. You remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan. Satan comes to him. Jesus has been in the wilderness for 40 days fasting. Satan comes to him. And Satan says, I want you to make that stone into bread. And Jesus says, I believe I can do it. Now, you remember what he said. He said, it is written. There's no argument with that. It's written. God has said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, I can tell you with 100% certainty, Jesus believed it. But it didn't matter whether he believed it or not. It was written. Now, interestingly enough, Jesus is the Logos. He is the Word of God. I believe he spoke it. But Jesus would take people to the Scriptures to show them rather than to tell them. And that's something we need to do when we're spreading the gospel. When we're sharing the gospel with others, use Bible. Use the Bible to answer questions. Somebody asks you a question if you think it's the right time to answer it. Instead of saying, well, I believe this or I believe that, and rattle through a bunch of answers, say, let's go to the Scriptures and let's see if we can find an answer to that. The third thing Jesus did was he planted that he didn't pick. What does that mean? That I means Jesus was not discriminatory in how he shared the gospel with others. You and I may be that way sometimes. We may want to pick and choose who we share the gospel with because we like people and we don't like some people, right? There may be people that we don't. I don't, I don't particularly care for that guy. So maybe, I don't, maybe, maybe he doesn't need the gospel. Jesus didn't operate that way. Jesus took every opportunity he had, when he had the opportunity, to share good news with others. John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11 is the story of the adulterous woman. You remember she caught in the very act of adultery. She's brought to Jesus. The Jewish leaders want to know what he's going to do with her. The law says she should be stoned. Jesus, what are you going to do? remember what he did first thing he did was he deferred he didn't debate right he gets down and he starts writing with his finger in the the dirt and we could debate all day long about what he wrote but whatever he wrote was effective because it caused those men to stop and think and then he stood up and he simply said he was without sin let him cast the first stone and those men one by one from the oldest to the youngest they turned and walked away why did they do that Because they were cut to the heart. They knew that Jesus was right and they were wrong. But you know what Jesus did next? He didn't just turn his back on that woman and say, You know what? I don't have anything to do with adulterous women because I don't want to be seen with them. That could ruin my reputation. Women, woman, excuse me, where are your accusers? I have none. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Jesus took the opportunity to encourage her. Don't continue in that lifestyle. But he didn't act discriminatory towards her. Jesus was a planter and not a picker. He showed compassion to all mankind. And that's something we need to learn as well. We need to learn to defer, don't debate. Well, how do, how do we do that then? Let's, you know what? I've got a Bible study that I think you would really enjoy. Why don't we sit down and study God's word together? I know you've got some questions. I think this Bible study will answer those questions. And one of the things it will do is it will allow us to use God's Word, to teach them in a a way that will help them come along rather than just picking and choosing the most difficult questions. Let's show them in the Scriptures and don't just tell them. Let's plant the Word of God in their heart and not just pick and choose what we share with them. We also saw that Jesus taught His disciples these principles. They learned by watching Him. They saw what He did. And so when Jesus gave them a commission in Mark chapter 16... Verse 15, when he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How were they able to do that? Because they'd been with Jesus. They'd seen what Jesus did. And so in Colossians chapter 1, verses 6, and also in verse 23, Paul could write several years later that the gospel had been shared with every creature under heaven. I think that's amazing. That in the time, from the time Jesus commissioned his apostles until Paul wrote the book of Colossians, that they had had the opportunity to take the gospel around the world. I'll tell you the other thing it does that kind of shames me a little bit. Think about how those men were workers for Jesus. And sometimes we don't always get done what Jesus wants us to get done. Anyway, the disciples here were willing to take the commission that Jesus had given and put it to work and to share it with every creature. Later on in our series, we looked at some evidences of God. You remember we talked about seven or eight, excuse me, eight evidences that God is real. Sometimes we may encounter people who don't believe in God, and so we may have to show them some evidences that God is real. Sometimes we can't use the scriptures to do that because they don't believe in God's word. So we talked about the fact that creation demands a creator, that every cause, every effect demands an adequate antecedent cause. We talked about the idea that design demands a designer and all those different principles that teach us that God is real, that he's active, that he is powerful. He is all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's ever-present. Those were evidences of God, and we also talked about evidences of Jesus. We talked about the fact that he really lived, that he was a real person, that he really died, but more importantly, that he really was raised from the dead. That his resurrection was so sure to those people who saw it that they were willing to testify to the reality of Jesus' resurrection, and they were willing to die for it. There's not very many people that were willing to die for a lie. And yet we see the early Christians who were willing to to suffer death because they believed in the story, in the in the the, the, the uh, they believed in the reality of the resurrection. So we we used all these different different lessons to help teach us the knowledge of the gospel. We also talked about the skills of the gospel. What do we need to do to be skillful in sharing the gospel? And so we looked at some tools, some basic tools to help us share the gospel with others. We looked at the Back to the Bible series. And a lot of these series are back there on this bookshelf if you want to go back and look at them when we're done. We looked at the Back to the Bible series, which is a three-lesson series. The first lesson teaches us about the authority of God, the authority of His Word, why is it that God has authority in it? Why would, we even, why would we need to listen to God? Why would we need to submit ourselves to God? It teaches us why. The second lesson teaches us about the church. What is it about the church that makes it unique? Why would I want to be a part of the church? And the third thing teaches us about what we need to do to be saved. When Jesus gave the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every preacher, he told his apostles what man needed to do in order to receive salvation. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. What does that look like in my life? And so that's what lesson three, in fact, the Bible teaches us. We didn't do a lot of coverage of does it matter, but we've got a copy co- copies of it back there. It's a one lesson series that basically covers the same thing. The authority of God, the identity of the church, the necessity of salvation. We looked at another two-page little, little paper, God's Way. Uh, I, I really like that one. It's very concise, it's easy to get through, and uh, it's been very effective in sharing the gospel with others, and so we've got copies of it back there. Uh, and, and one in particular that I'm, um, I've been working on, and it needs some, some fine-tuning, but it's in Christ. And this is a lesson to help people understand why we need to be a part of the church. Sometimes you hear people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in the church. Well, the Bible teaches differently. The Bible teaches that those who are saved are part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is the church. And so for us to, to be a part of the body of Christ, we have to be a part of the church. And we can't, be, we can't be saved outside of the body. And so that's what that lesson teaches us. And so these tools are basically there to help us when we are sharing the gospel with somebody. It gives us a, a um, an organized way to present the truth. And each tool may be helpful in a different situation. And we've got some other tools back there that I had mentioned. One of them is the necessity of baptism. Sometimes people wrestle with that. They, they understand or they believe that, they, they agree that the Bible teaches that people need to, to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. They, they may agree that they need to repent of their sins. They may even agree that confession is necessary. But sometimes people get hung up on the importance and the necessity of baptism. And that lesson takes through 14 different statements That people and that the Bible make about Christians. A Christian is saved. What does does their salvation have to do with baptism? A Christian is washed again. A Christian is born again. A Christian is washed and regenerated. A Christian is a a child of God. Every one of these attributes of a Christian has something to do with baptism and how they achieve or arrive at that state in their lives. We also talked about some basic uh, principles of evangelistic skill building, and I want I want to just remind ourselves of this. Let's go back over to, to uh, Matthew chapter 13 real quickly, and remind ourselves of the three basic skill evangelistic habit building uh, principles. This is the parable of the the sower. <clears throat> Um, actually, we're going to start in verse 3. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. And some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let let him hear. In that lesson, what we talked about was, first off, the importance of preparing soil. You notice that three of the four types of soil were not prepared to receive the seed. One of them was wayside soil, right? That's the soil where where the, the, the workers walked and they had packed it down. And when the seed was sown on it, it didn't last. The birds came and ate it up. There was some soil that was stony, and there was some soil that was thorny. And when the seed was sown in it, it didn't receive the seed in a way that was productive, and so it was choked out or it dried up, right? Sometimes we've got to be preparers of soil, and so how do we do that? One of the things we talked about was just building relationships with people, using our homes as evangelistic tools, inviting people into our home and getting to know them and, and, and seeing what, what are their concerns, what are things they're wrestling with, building that relationship so that when it, when they are ready to hear the gospel, the soil's been prepared so it's ready to be receptive. Sometimes it takes picking up rocks, right? Some people have a lot of rocks in their life. Some people have a lot of thorns in their life, a lot of thistles. And sometimes they can't pick them out by themselves. We've got to be people who are willing to work with them and to encourage them and to strengthen them, and to prepare the soul. And so the next thing is we've got to recognize when we get the soul ready, recognize that the door's open. Anybody ever feel like me? whatever that door opens, you feel like it's only open for about five seconds? You're right It's too early, it's too early, it's too early, it's too late, it's too late, it's too late. It's too late. That's not true. Well, as we begin to recognize when doors open, then we prepare to step through them. And that's part of skill building and evangelism is learning when to when to have that Bible discussion with somebody, when to ask that question, when to when to even push a little bit. You know, I, I know you've been thinking about obeying the gospel. Is now the right time? I know you've been thinking about having a Bible study. Is now the right time? To encourage them? Because sometimes people just need a little bit of a little kick to get them going. And then finally we see from this let from this story, that we got to live an example. You know, it says the sower went out to sow. You know who didn't go out to sow? The reaper. Anybody else didn't go out to sow because it was the sower's job to do that. Christians, we are called to be sowers. And so we can't pretend we're something else. we got to live lives that set an example for other people of where we want to help them go. And sometimes the greatest discouragement to our evangelistic effort is what we do Sunday afternoon through Saturday night. We need to be thinking about what example do we set for others? What example do we, do we leave for other people to encourage them to want to be a part of, of Christ's church? We try to spread the gospel to people, but we do it with a, like we've just been weaned on dill pickles. That's, that's not effective. That's not encouraging. It doesn't bring anybody to Christ. And so we've got to live an example, and that's what we learned in skill building. And finally, we, in our development of habit, we talked about, Natalie, we talked about building desire. And we looked at several different examples of lessons where we saw desire to share the gospel and courage. I love the story of the four leopards that we looked at lepers, not leopards, that we looked at back in 2 Kings. You know those those the the, the uh, children of Israel were surrounded by their enemies. They were about to be overthrown, they were starving to death. And those four lepers said, You know what? If we stay here, we're gonna die. If we go in the city, we're gonna die. If we go out to our enemies, they may kill us, but we got to do something. And they go out there and they find that the Lord has frustrated that army that they basically scattered. They, they, what, the, the ones that haven't been killed by themselves have, have fled, and they left a bounty out there. And the lepers just start going from one house to the other. And they're eating in this house, and they're gathering up treasure in that house, and they're, they're just having a good time. And then all of a sudden they remember, listen, this is a day of good news we need to share it with others. <laughs> Sometimes maybe we go through life that way, right? The Lord's blessed us. The Lord gives us great, bountiful blessings, both physically and spiritually, and we, we enjoy those. We treasure those. We, we even thank God for those, but we forget that God's given us those blessings to share with others, to take that good news and share it with other people. We saw in the story of the prophet of Isaiah, verse, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, we saw a person who was ready To hear God's word whenever he realized that God had prepared him for it. You remember the the phrase, oh, woe is me. I'm a a, a people of unclean uh, hands and my lips are unclean. You remember, God comes down and cleanses him. He makes him ready to work. Christians, we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We've been prepared to work. So that whenever the Lord asks the question of Isaiah, he says, who shall go for us? Who shall we send? Do you remember what Isaiah says? Lord, here am I. Send me. I love that. It's it's the reminder that we are ready to go to work whenever the Lord calls us. That takes desire. It takes a willingness on our part to be prepared when the Lord opens the door for us. And then we looked at Acts chapter 8. We saw several different lessons on Philip, the evangelist. Philip is actually the first person... Uh, if, if you're reading through the Bible from the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation, he's the first one that's called an evangelist. He's the first one referred to as that's his profession is sharing the gospel with others. And we saw that Philip was the one who was willing to work. He was willing to go to people who were really the, the Jews' enemies. He went to the Samaritans. Why? Because he wanted people to be saved. He wanted all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wanted to share the gospel with those who the Jews called their enemy. He wasn't willing to let let race or ethnicity get in the way. He wasn't willing to let other religions get in the way. You remember Simon the sorcerer comes. And and he, he sees what Philip is doing and he is even persuaded to obey the gospel. And he wasn't willing to let mission... His uh, his idea of mission, get in the way of God's mission. You remember, he's working there in Samaria, and the church is just growing. The apostles come down, and they see what's going on. And man, this is a big work. And then the Lord tells Philip, hey, I want you to go down to the desert. I want you to go down and start doing one-on-one evangelism. You know what sometimes we want to do? We're digging our heels, right? Lord, look at the big work that's going on. Look at the great ministry that I'm part of. Look at the wonderful things that are going on. Lord, why would you want to take me away from this and put me into a one on one mission field? Well, the Lord had had a purpose in that Ethiopian eunuch. And so Philip goes down and he sits in the chariot with the man and he preaches Christ to him. You gotta wanna. Philip did. We have to develop that within ourselves, the skill. And we also, last week, we talked about our, our conversion story as a way of motivating us to share the gospel with others. Your conversion story is your own personal story of salvation. I want to encourage you to tell it with authenticity. Tell it, tell it with purpose to help people understand what Jesus has done in your life. How he's affected you, how he's made you different, how he's made you whole. That will build that why within you. That's going to help you to understand why am I doing this. It's because I'm different and I want you to experience that as well. I want you to experience the joy of salvation. And you can do it. And I'll show you how. And so that's basically, the, that's that's a summation. I've taken 26 lessons and condensed them down into three slides basically. Evangelism is about building habit. It's about building that, that knowledge and building the skill and building that now in the time we got left, go ahead to the last slide here now please. I want us to I want us to to move out of this series with, with a shot in the arm. I'm gonna give you a, a shot of vitamin G. Now you, you know there's no such thing as vitamin G, right? But this is a this is a reminder of what the gospel is. Um what keeps you awake at night? Don't point Paul at Joe. What what troubles you? What scares you? What causes you to, to be apprehensive? Sometimes it's, maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's family issues. Maybe it's community issues. Maybe it's financial issues. Maybe it's what we see going on in the world around us. Maybe it's a feeling of, of helplessness, right? Or maybe you feel like you just, you're not in control. That things are happening to you, but you can't stop them. You can't... That can be overwhelming. How does that fit in with our study of personal evangelism? How does that fit in with our series talking about sharing the gospel with others? This is where I would say we need to, <clears throat> we need to learn to drill down deep into the core of our being and plant God's word there. When the psalmist said, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know what he didn't do? He didn't tattoo it on his arm. He had gone down to the core of his being and he had planted God's word there so that God's word would have an effect on him in everything that he did. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let me give you a couple things just to grab onto to remember when you wake up in the morning and you're afraid, or before you go to sleep and you start to become afraid of things that are going on, there's just too much going on around me. What can we grab hold of that is true and will always be true that can fortify us and, and harden us, you might say, against Satan? We're going to start with Romans chapter 1, verse 16. This is what William read for us, and this is what we've been studying on Sunday mornings about the, the power... Of God. You know, God has a lot of power. He has creative power. We see his creative power in Genesis. We see the supernatural power of God in parting the waters of the Red Sea and bringing the children of Israel across, right? We see God's, we, we see God's power of... Um, well. I had another one in mind, but it's left me. But you know where God's power to save mankind is, is parked, where it's rested, where it is invested... Paul says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power, the dynamite of God unto salvation for all who believe for the Jew first and also for the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written written, the just shall live by faith. Anything that scares you Has less power than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anything that troubles you, anything that keeps you awake has less power than the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is God's power to save mankind. Now it's not going to save you from dying, because even Jesus died on the cross. But it has the power to save you from eternal death, from eternal separation from God. So there is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, if we'll believe the gospel, if we'll be, we'll be obedient to it. So then how do we fight against these fears? How do we war against these fears? How do we overcome these fears in our lives? So then we look at passages such as Colossians, uh, 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, beginning verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we live in this tent, right? We live in this physical body. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You don't fight a fleshly battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle here. We're fighting a battle against Satan, we're fighting a battle against the forces of evil. And the quicker and the deeper we can let that truth penetrate into us, the less we have to fear. The less we have to be anxious about. The less we have to be have to have anxiety over all the stuff that's going on in the world around us, right? The 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 the, the, the growing division that's taking place in this country the, the the radicalization of every aspect of society the, the I mean it feels like our country is being turned on its head right and not just turned on its head but it's being turned on its head and grabbed by the ankles and shook it feels like a, a, a battle that we want to fight with physical means right we want to get angry we want to lash out we want to we, we want to punch, we want to fight, we want to kick, we want to shoot. And Paul says, that's not, it's not a physical battle that we're fighting. It's not a fleshly battle, it's a spiritual battle that we're fighting. And our battle, the weapons of our battle are not carnal. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that means fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So he says that we have a weapon that is mighty in God for tearing down strongholds, for, for resisting these, these forces of Satan, the, the wickedness that's coming at us. I've already given you the answer, but I'm going to go ahead and ask the question. What's the power of God? What's the weapon that is mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds? It's the gospel, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ. How do we, how do we change? How do we affect change in the world around us? Buy as many guns as we can, right? Try to stock up so that whenever that battle happens, we're ready. We get as mad as we can get. We get so frustrated over the things going on in our country that we just lash out. And we just burn people down, right? We burn this country down. Or we go back to the basics. We quit fighting with fleshly weapons and we begin to fight this as a spiritual battle. We take the gospel of people and we show them one by one person by person, heart to heart what it is that's causing problems in their lives and we help to overcome those problems with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you do it once and then you do it again and then you do it again and then you do it again. One more passage to remind us of this. And you know what this passage is about. Ephesians chapter 6. Because it speaks to us about the whole armor of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We may think that our battles with Washington. We may think that our battles with Jefferson City. We may think that our battles with Forsyth. Or with this group or that group, this extremist group, this extremist group, right hand or left hand. We may think that our battles with them. But you know what a real battle is with? A real battle is with Satan himself. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, that's Satan, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We want to overcome these struggles that we see going on around us. We've got to do it with the gospel. That's why we've been talking about personal evangelism all this year. Now, we're going to transition now to another topic, to various topics. But I want us to end this series by reinforcing the reason why we are so focused on evangelism. It's the power of God and salvation. It's the weapon of our warfare. It's the whole armor that we put on to stand up against the things that cause us to be afraid. That cause us to feel powerless. to cause us to feel overwhelmed. Anybody feel overwhelmed? Anybody feel like kind of just being choked off? I've been there and done that too. We all do. And we need to remind ourselves that we have at our disposal more powerful weapons than Satan has. We've got the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can share with others. And we don't let it discourage us. And so we practice the habit again. We go back to the knowledge. We go back to the skill. We rebuild the desire to share the gospel with others. Go ahead, we got We've gotten a good start on this. You probably don't recognize this. But we've been doing this already. Think about when we started this series. And think about where we've come. Think about the Bible studies we've had with people. Think about the people who have obeyed the gospel. Think about those people who are on the verge of obeying the gospel. We are building a habit of personal evangelism. You're doing it. Keep it up. We'll come back and revisit this from time to time. But it's important that we don't lose sight of it. The role that we have in building the Lord's church. Each one of us plays a part in it. Each one of us has a role to play. And your role is important. Maybe today you haven't obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe that you, you've you come to understand today that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You understand that you need to repent of those sins. And you need to confess the name of Jesus. Maybe you've done those things but you understand that you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Thank you. <laughs> you, know what that, you know what that reminds me of? Say it, Iris. Move it on, brother. On, brother. That's what, that's what, <laughs> all right, let's wrap this up. Maybe you need to obey the gospel today. Maybe you understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Move it on up, all right? Let's get this taken care of. Let's do it today. Don't leave here today knowing that you're apart from the body of Christ. We're going to sing an invitation song. If we can help you in any way, please don't hesitate to make your needs known as we stand and sing. Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. For more information about our church family, please visit our Bradleyville Church of Christ Facebook page. We hope to see you soon. Till then, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We hope you have a good day.